y'all. Welcome to the Sweet Tea and Jesus Podcast, hosted by Tara McAdam and Kelsey Hamrick. We are two sisters who desire to grow in love for Jesus. You are not alone, and we want to come alongside you with challenges, laughter, questions, prayers, and eternal hope of the gospel. Whether you're on your way to work, folding the 10th load of laundry, or drinking a glass of sweet tea, we pray you are strengthened and filled with joy from these biblical truths today. Hey guys, today's topic may be a challenging one. Today, our episode is titled, Am I Approachable? I remember when I became super good friends with one of my college friends in our acting class, and we were talking about the very first time we met. And my friend brought up that I was very intimidating and that I seemed to be stuck up or that I thought I was all that. And I gave her this crazy look, and then we both burst out laughing. Uh, And I asked, and I said, is that how you think I really am? And she she laughed and said, no, oh no, I know you now and I know you're not those things at all. You're you're the opposite. So, um, and this friend ended up singing the song that my dad and I danced to at my own wedding. She wrote it and everything. So we ended up becoming really good friends, but I'm glad my appearance in the beginning didn't prevent us from becoming <laughs> friends or how I carried myself. But just the topic of that, it just got me thinking, you know, what do people think of me when they first meet me? What is their first impression of me? Do I come mm-hmm. off friendly? Do I come off stuck up, prideful, humble, dorky? Do you remember that saying back in the day when people would say, you know, I'm all that and a bag of chips? Oh, Um, yeah. I don't know what bag of chips you like, but mine (laughs) would probably be Cheetos. (laughs) But got me thinking, I just, I hope I don't give off any of those vibes to other people. What about you, Kelsey? Like, have you ever thought about what others think of you when they meet you for the first time? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I get in my head a lot. I do make an effort to always try to smile and look at someone's eyes because I've caught myself in the past not actually looking when I talk to some people at first. Like, I don't know if y'all do that. I, I don't I know do if that. Yeah, I don't know if it's from feeling shy or something, but like really looking at someone helps you connect with them. I have found sometimes, especially at restaurants, when my waitress or waiter comes up to me and I look them in the eye, it's almost like they're surprised that I looked at them. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I wonder if there's a lot of people really avoid eye contact. Um, well, eye contact can be awkward, you know. It oh, can yeah. Be. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I it's definitely true. But I'll be honest, you know, when I when I am having a bad day and I'm like walking through the grocery store, I do find myself avoiding eye contact because of just not feeling my best and just honestly not wanting to engage in conversation. But I've also felt guilty after that because of how many opportunities are probably missed because of the desire not to be approached. I mean, that's so true. I know that I've been on the flip side where there was someone that I wanted to introduce myself to, but I I was intimidated by their demeanor. I think what is even worse about not appearing approachable when you don't know someone, it's when you're not approachable when people in your life know you and they're close with you and they still don't know how to approach you. Right. You know, think for a minute, like we all probably have and know our three closest people in our life. Mm -hmm. Jesus even had his three, Peter, James, and John. It could be a spouse. It could be an amazing, fabulous sister. Cough, cough, Kelsey. (laughs) Um, It 
could be a close friend or a coworker or a cousin. I have no idea who your three inner circle people are, but you do. And my point is, think of your three besties. And do you think that they feel comfortable approaching you? Mm. It could be something they are struggling with. It could be sin that they are stuck in and they're ashamed to talk to anybody about it. Right. It could be questions about God or his word. I mean, you could press even further. Do you think they feel comfortable approaching you with sins that they see going on in your life Mm -hmm. or struggles that they see you currently facing or tough conversations about bad habits or poor disciplines or even if you're blinded to sin that you have in your life? I don't know about you, but I think these are some really good questions for us to ponder over. Yeah. I mean, I'm giving myself, (laughs) I'm giving myself spiritual spankings right now. So this is just as much for me as a topic as I'm hoping that it will be for you, Kelsey, and for our listeners. Yeah. I mean, if I'm being honest, it's not, I mean, it's not fun to be corrected. It's not fun to be told things that I'm doing wrong. And as the saying goes, the truth hurts, but I appreciate it so much when I know it's coming from the right place. And I think the way someone approaches me also matters. When I was in college, I was making mistakes and one of my best friends, Mallory, called me out (laughs) and she said, shout out to Mal. um, She said, what are you doing, Kels? This is not you. And I, to this day, am thankful that she loved me enough to be truthful. And the closest friends that I have are the ones who are willing to tell it like it is and to be transparent with me and let me be honest and transparent back with them. Right. And in a loving way, you knew without a shadow of doubt that she loved you when she told you that. It wasn't out of, what are you doing? And... Yeah, it wasn't you know, in a like, it wasn't in a critical way or it judgmental. Was a, like, absolutely, it was just like a hey, check yeah. yourself. Check, you know, check yourself. Check yourself. Oh, you wreck yourself. That's right. And I know when you stop and think about the people in your life who you know without a shadow of a doubt love you, more than likely those people have been able to have hard conversations with you, if not once, even multiple times. Mm-hmm. But you know that they love you because they were bold enough to push through and approach you with whatever hard topic is the pressing issue that they see in your life, but they do it out of love. You know they love you because they care enough to tell you in a gracious way. I remember in basketball, middle school basketball, I had the best coach, a wonderful woman, Coach Markham, if you're listening, thank you so much for all you taught me. But she would always say, when I stop coaching you, you know I've stopped caring. Mm, And I knew every single time that she corrected me to be a better basketball player, that she cared and she wanted me to get to my full potential. And she knew that I could be better. She cared and she coached me very hard. But I'm thankful. I'm so thankful that she never stopped. I never would have played college basketball if it weren't for things that she taught me. Yeah, absolutely. That's so awesome. I love that. When I stop coaching you, you know I've stopped caring. Um, I read an article from Paul David Tripp about correction, and he was breaking down Leviticus 19. Verse 17 says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall rebuke your neighbor. You know, we just talked about loving our neighbor in a previous episode when it comes to forgiveness. And I I love this contrast because hate is such a strong word. And I don't think it's easy to be confronted with the fact that we often shy away from telling people the truth out of fear of judgment or their reaction and that those feelings do often outweigh our love for them. Yes. I mean, even think about the gospel. I watched this video they showed us in college. This was like, I mean, 15, 13, 15 years ago. And it was this atheist. uh, He was a magician. and, And he basically said that this person's 
stayed behind after his show to tell him about Jesus. And it got him thinking like, how much does someone have to hate you? If this is what you believe and you believe that when you die, that you're going to heaven forever or going to hell forever, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them about Jesus and what he did for them? Mm, And yeah. And he was like, this man who I did not know. Yeah, Yeah. He was like this man who I did not know, who was a complete stranger. This was the first time I ever talked to me, talked to him. He was like, he loved me enough to tell me something that meant so much to him and that he fully believed and wanted me to join in with him in heaven. And so again, super convicting, Mm -hmm. um, but so true. We are, we have this fear of judgment and fear of what people are going to think or, oh, well, they're not going to be my friend anymore. Oh, they're going to go whatever. But, you know, and a lot of times it does cause us to not, to not share whether it's the gospel or it could be this moment like we're talking about of correction, rebuking our neighbor. Right. The Bible talks a lot about having a teachable spirit. Mm -hmm. So what does teachable mean? All right. Here comes the dictionary. (laughs) Well, according to to our good friend, Miriam Webster, it means capable of being taught or apt and willing to learn. So my question for you is, are you capable of being taught or do you have a tendency to have a spirit of I know it all and I'm good? Are you willing to learn or do you have a tendency to feel like you desire to be more the teacher than a learner? Mm -hmm. I know for me personally, I went through a season where I felt prideful and I did not have a teachable spirit. I took pride that God was teaching me and that I thought I had more answers than questions, which Mm -hmm. is not true, but that's what I thought. And I was defensive anytime anyone brought anything to my attention that I could be trying to do differently or do better or an area that I needed to work on. I took offense and in my arrogance would think, seriously, how ridiculous. And truly, I apologize to anyone who was in my life during that season. I mean, seriously, what a jerk I was. (laughs) But sanctification has continued to prove me and I'm still continuing to be pruned. Um, And I want to read some Bible verses that talk about having a teachable spirit. The first one is, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 12, 1. I'm reading straight from the Bible, guys. This was ESV and NIV both used the word stupid. So this is the breathed out word of God. (laughs) Ouch. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I know I don't want to be stupid. Another one says poverty and disgrace come to him who ignores instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is honored. Proverbs 13, 18. Um, Another one said, give instruction to a wise man. He will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 9, 9. There are so many verses about having a teachable spirit. These were just a few. Yeah. And if you go, if you need any advice on being teachable, Proverbs is definitely a place to go because it is loaded with these verses on this topic. Uh, The Gospel Coalition shared an article about being a true or about a true leader being teachable. And one thing really stuck out to me. It said wisdom from God's perspective lies in knowing how to take advice without being either defensive or condescending. I know. Isn't that good? Wisdom is evident when we humble ourselves to learn even from those who admit 
admittedly know less than we do and are perhaps not as experienced. And that can be really tough. We already don't like correction and to accept it from someone we think we know more than is not easy. But we have to lay aside our pride and really listen to one another, knowing that each of us have our own experiences and wisdom, even if that doesn't look the same for everyone. Yes. Oh, that's so good. In my more recent years, the Lord has humbled me and he has taught me of my needs specifically for him. He has given me this this hunger and and this thirst for his word and his righteousness that has replaced my pride and humility. Does that mean I've mastered this? No. Um, I am definitely in constant daily denial of my flesh and what my flesh wants. And, you know, pridefulness is a temptation for me. And even if someone calls out my sin, like to get defensive is a temptation when someone approaches me with reproof or correction. Mm -hmm. And that's just my flesh. And so this is a daily checking yourself, relying on the Holy Spirit and laying my life down at the cross and trusting, trusting in the sanctification process that God is molding me into the likeness of his son. And by doing that, he's going to use his word for teaching me and for the reproof and correction that I need. It may come directly from his word. It may come from my husband. It may come from Kelsey. It may come from somebody that God places in my life that I know that loves me, who sees something in me that that I am not at my full potential in Christ. And there is an area that needs to be pruned. Mm -hmm. And I need to be willing and ready to receive that, just like Kelsey was talking about, by humbling myself and quit thinking that I'm a know-it-all. That is definitely my tendency to be like, oh, I know. I got this. I got it. You know, and that's not true. But that's, again, my flesh. This is tendencies that I have. Um, But I love the verse in 2 Timothy 3.16 that says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Mm -hmm. God can and will use people in your life as part of the reproof and correction of your sanctification process. Think about all of the prophets in the Old Testament. Their whole ministry was calling people to repent and turn back to God because of the sin in their life. Their whole ministries were full of teaching and reproof and correction. Yeah, I just have to throw in some encouragement there too. Y'all just think about Jonah. You know, he God told him to go to Nineveh uh, Nineveh, and he went to Joppa instead Okay, and got swallowed by a whale. So even he struggled with, you know, not wanting to speak up because of fear whenever he was obedient to God. Look at how God used him. This made me think about that when you're talking about Old Testament. But it's so true. I always think about when the disciples question Jesus and how hard that must have been to accept correction without fully understanding, you know, because he always talks about how they didn't have full understanding. But they accepted the correction because they fully trusted in Jesus and who he was. And it's it's so easy, easy to just read the Bible and think, oh, that doesn't apply to me and think of whoever it does apply to. Y'all ever hear a sermon for real and go, gosh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this one. <laughs> I mean, I've know, totally done that. Yeah, like, and, yes. Yeah, you're and like, be, oh man, why is yeah, it so-and-so here? This is perfect to, for this. Is this recorded? Can I forward this? No, but I'll be honest and say like, yes, I have done this, but we have to approach scripture from a place of knowing that we have a lot to work on instead of worrying about fixing everyone else. Not saying we shouldn't share truth with our fellow believers, but our main focus when we are listening or studying God's word should be to look within our own hearts and figure out what needs to change. You know, if we approach God's truth in our lives with that attitude of just wanting to grow and learn and be better than when those people we trust approach us, we will 
will have an easier time hearing it because we're constantly looking for ways to grow and be better. You know, I don't know how many times that Jesus said, he who has ears, let him hear or a phrase close to that. But it's because so many heard him speak, but wouldn't really listen to what he was saying because they didn't want to change. And we are so tempted to be the same way. Yes. Uh, It makes me think of in, in the Old Testament, again, talking about God putting people in your life who love you and love him, who he can use to correct you and turn you back to him or to mm-hmm. open your eyes to sin. In 2 Samuel chapter 12, it talks about Nathan when Nathan approaches King David after all of this stuff had happened, all the sin that was in his life. He slept with Bathsheba. He had his her husband Uriah killed. Mm-hmm. And it, it talks about, it says, and the Lord sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said, there were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had very many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing but one little ewe lamb, which he had bought. And he brought it up and it grew up with him and and his children. It used to eat of his morsels and drink from his cup and lie in his arms. And it was like a daughter to him. Now there came a traveler to the rich man and he was unwilling to take one of his own flock or herd to prepare for the guest who had come. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger was greatly kindled against this man. And he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this deserves to die and he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. And so I think that's just amazing that God Mm. used Nathan in King David's life, which he was completely blind to, to reveal this sin to him. And because of that, Nathan, David repented and turned his heart back to the Lord. And, and, you know, and we all know the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And so um, I just thought that was a really cool example of how God will specifically place someone who you know loves you. And it's based on his word and his standards to call you out. And the way that Nathan did that was in a loving way. He just told a story and and David gets fired up like, oh, let's go get him. And Nathan's like, dude, that's you. That is you. (laughs) Yes. But again, going back to our conversation, you definitely know who the people God has placed in your life. You know who loves God and who loves you. And any teaching or reproof or correction should always be done on a biblical basis, full of love, full of grace, and full of gentleness. It's never supported solely with, I Mm. think, da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. You know, but no biblical basis to back it up. Or, well, this is how other people are doing it and you're doing X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, who cares what other people are doing? Is Are they doing what's in the Bible or based on God's yeah. standard? Or, well, so-and-so said that you need to change whatever, you know, and, and all of those are great to have opinions. But again, it's always got to be based on what does the Bible say and how does God call us as his sons and daughters to live? Mm-hmm. And it should always start out with love. You know, I love you. You know that I love the Lord and I love you enough that I have some tough truths that I would like to share with you. And when you're ready to hear them, when you're ready to receive them, let me know. And I'm here for you. And I want you to know that it truly comes from a place of love and wanting you to press into the Lord and to grow into his likeness. You know, that's a sample way, a great way to just begin. Like I have something tough that I need you to hear, but I want you to know that I love you honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so whether it's sin in their life, whether it's poor discipline, 
disciplines in their walk with the Lord, whether it's incorrect theology, I mean, anything that could be considered a tough conversation or possibly make your friend or spouse or whoever defensive, it definitely needs to come from a place of love for the Lord, love for your friend or spouse, and to be fully supported by scripture. Mm -hmm. Um, Another question to ponder, though, is are you willing for God to use people in your life as an instrument in your process of sanctification? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just goes back to knowing like every time that we do read scripture or hear God's truth that we are always ready and willing and eager to grow and to learn. Um, You know, one thing it makes me think of is our parents, you know, they corrected and they weren't afraid to be truthful. It was out of love, even if it wasn't always perfectly approached. Right. And something that matters when approaching someone about anything is the relationship that you have as well, because you can't just go up to a stranger and say, well, you're messing up. You need to turn around and fix it, you know, (laughs) and just expect them to listen. They'll be like, oh, you don't know me. You don't know my life. What do you, don't tell me what to do. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. You want to throw hands? Uh, No, but you know, building relationships and getting to know people is something that Jesus modeled for us. And it takes, he did. And it takes that relationship before we're able to have those hard conversations because we have to see things through the lens of other people and not just consider our own perspectives. That's right. You know, and we as humans don't like to be corrected. Mm -hmm. I know for me and my flesh, I definitely don't like to be corrected. Like you said earlier, nobody, nobody wants to have correction or hear that they are in sin. No one ever wants to hear they've gotten lazy when they're reading their Bible or prayer life. Mm -hmm. No one wants to hear that they need to be more disciplined in an area like scripture memorization. No one wants to be told that they've misinterpreted a piece of God's word and need to look at it in context of the whole book or time period or audience. But bottom line, reproof and correction is not easy. Whether it's coming from God or from your parents as as a child or even coming from a loved one who God is placed in your life. You know, um, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. That's Hebrews 12, 6. Just like a parent disciplines their child because they love them, God disciplines us and we need to be ready and willing to receive his discipline. Mm-hmm. You know, I think obviously thanks to the Holy Spirit, we can be thankful for his love and discipline. Yeah. Just like when I was thankful that my coach stayed on me and pushed me to my limits because she wanted what was best for me. How much more does our loving father in heaven want the best for us, you know, to mold us, to reprove us, to correct us and teach us gently because of the Holy Spirit. Now, if we need to be taught more than gently, you know, Jonah got swallowed up by a big fish. (laughs) So sometimes it's it's more loud than it is soft, but he'll do what he has to do to get us to change our gaze to him. And because of the Holy Spirit, we should now desire to be correct. We should desire to hear when we are living in sin and be thankful for the people God puts in our life or his word when it reveals that to us, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to desire to be more disciplined instead of dreading or avoiding repro- reproof or correction. We should welcome it. And it makes us more like Jesus. And I'm just, I'm right. so thankful for the people who over my lifetime have loved me enough to call out my sin, to reprove me of a discipline, you know, such as reading my Bible, those who have challenged me when my theology was not aligning with God's theology, the list could go on and on. And I'm just thankful that God has placed people along the way who've loved me lo- enough, you know. And when you look back on those tough conversations, like you said, from college, you know, when you've had a tough conversation with someone who boldly approached you with reproof and correction, you never forget it. 
It's like one of those mm-hmm. moments you never forget it. Sure. Um, and I'm just thankful God has placed people in my life who love me enough, willing to be used by God as an instrument of correction in my walk with Him. Now, I may not have always received it well, you know, <laughs> as far as I may not have been in a state where I'm like, come on, bring it. Let's go. Teach me what I need to, re- you know, correct and reprove. But I know after processing and reflecting and even seeking the Lord on my face, like He has been faithful to reveal my sin which then led to repentance and then restoration. And I pray now that God gives me a teachable spirit and that when I am corrected, that I receive it well and I take it to heart when it's grounded in God's word. That's so good. I've prayed a lot about this just because for a long time, I, I struggled with frustration and anger when I don't feel good enough. And it's taken me a lot of years to work through that and to be able to respond differently. It's something I think will always be a temptation for me. But one thing that has helped me is really reflecting on how unrighteous I am. I can be motivated by love when someone confronts me instead of responding with frustration because of the mercy and grace that God has shown me. I have no righteousness of my own. And that's hard to remember some days because I'm human and I struggle with pride just like everyone else. But truly, the only reason there is any good in me is because of God's grace, not through anything I have done. And this thinking really helps my heart to be open to hear the corrections of others. And like I said, earnestly seek to hear insights from other people. But if we're seeking correction, we have to realize it's not just going to be an every now and then event. It's an ongoing part of our lives in order for us to grow to be more like Christ. That's right. Even thinking of you know parenting a child, you don't just say, hey, don't stick your finger in a socket once and walk away. And you're done. Yeah. Yeah. You have to do it and over and over. Hey, don't the stove is hot. Don't touch the stove. No, it's just one of those things. You have to teach it. That's exactly what the Lord does. But here's some food for thought. Going back to thinking of your three besties in your life or your inner circle, what are some ways that you can share with them about what would be some good ways to approach you when they have a hard truth? Mm. Would you rather them warn you? And if so, how would you like to be warned? Would you rather them tell you like it is right here and now, like, hey, let's go for coffee and then boom, hit you with it or you know or do you kind of need a like a warning before would you rather it be done in person or would you rather them text it to you like hey just text it let me mull over it let me read it before you know and I'll wait like 24 hours before I respond would you rather it be done in private would you rather it be done in a group setting like a d group what are your preferences but I think having a conversation with them would be really helpful would having a conversation with you be best in the morning or the afternoon or the evening I know for me personally, I'm not a morning person. No, nope, so she's not. So for those of you who want to lovingly correct me, please wait until later in the day. I am totally a gotta have my coffee first before you speak to me kind of gal. <laughs> so now, now Jesus needs to say something. He can go ahead. He got, he got the clear, but you know, I know everyone's totally different. So it may be a good idea to let the people in your life who love you and know you, who you love and know, love you, know some of the best ways, times and etc to approach you with hard truth. Also ask people in your life who love you, what are some good ways to approach them? Say, hey, like what are some ways that I can approach you if there's a hard truth? That way, if a time ever were to arise, you guys have already had that conversation on how best to approach each other. And what can it hurt, you know? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I mean, I know I need time to process before I respond. Again, because temptation for me to get angry is always the first thing. Something I've just always battled with 
with. Not always, but most of the time. I have a full plate. So if you catch me on a day that my toddler is refusing to nap and my baby's wanting to be held all day because she is teething and been fussy and I haven't gotten anything done and don't have a clue what I'm making for dinner, then that may not be the best time to call me and say, hey, let me tell you something I've noticed that you may need to work on because I might just combust. Mm -hmm. I definitely think there's a right setting for those conversations. And I found that it goes better when the other person approaches you about a struggle and the door just kind of opens up to that conversation. I definitely think praying about what you see and how to say what you need to say is the place to start because then you're going to know without a shadow of a doubt that whatever you need to say is coming from a place of love for that person and it will be coming from God's truth and the conviction of the Holy Spirit versus like we talked about just your opinion on their life because if we're just giving our opinion then it's really just going to come off as judgy. Yes. I want to read a section of Psalm 119. It has beautiful verses that speak specifically on this topic of having a teachable spirit. I will at times pray these verses out loud to the Lord. Let me read them to you because they're just super uplifting and refreshing. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Mm. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. Oh, and I love that. And I that love good? where it says, turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Ooh, I love that. Yes, and that's verses 33 through 40 in Psalm 119. When you talk about reproach, going back to definitions, Miriam and West Webster says it's a, an expression of rebuke or disapproval. The psalmist is asking God to turn away the dread that we face with reproof and correction. We should right. welcome it because his rules are good. He loves us by correcting us. Mm-hmm. Just like the people in your life who love you when they teach, reprove, or correct you with the sound doctrine of the word of God out of love and grace and gentleness. But ultimately, I pray today's episode has been one that has caused you to really ponder on and tr- and truly to self-reflect. I know it has been for me. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your inner circle. I know I've been challenged and I want to encourage that the Lord loves me enough to teach me and use people in my life to teach me also. So one last Bible verse just to meditate on after listening to today's episode full of hard truth for us all mm-hmm. is the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Proverbs 15, 31 and 32. Yeah, to be able to be approachable, we have to humble ourselves. That does not mean that we are never confident in what we believe, but it does mean that we don't think that we are better than others when we know we are right. And it means that we are always open to being shown that we are wrong. And remember, this is an ongoing part of our lives. And I pray that Tara and I and all of you are always open to hearing truth and always looking within ourselves and looking to others to be corrected, knowing that nothing good is within us apart from the grace of God. Amen. Okay, so you know, we said we were going to do questions at the end. We're going to start doing that a little bit just to um, let you guys get to know us a little bit better. So I have a question for Tara. Uh If if you could be any animal, what would you be and why? If I could be any animal. Hmm, Man, that's a tough one. You know, I love animals. You know, I'm going to pick a bird. I was kind of thinking you would. I am. I'm going to pick a bird, but it's like, which bird? I love all birds. 
birds. I'm a bird nerd. Um, I think I would probably, I mean, I would definitely be like, hmm. I want to say I would probably be a peregrine falcon because they like, can. Who knows what that is? Are you kidding me? Yes, okay. because Go they ahead. are like super awesome, like <laughs> hunters and they fly really fast. I think it'd be fun to fly. I think it'd be fun to be fast. I just love birds. So I'd want to be a bird. So that's good. There you go. That's good. What um, about you? What kind of animal would you be and why? I feel like that's the, this is really a tough question. I'm reconsidering why I chose it now. Yeah, why'd um, you pick this? I'm just kidding. <laughs> definitely very random, but I feel like I would want to be some type of monkey because they just get to play all day. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They uh, we do. Went, Have you ever been to a zoo? That's yeah, what they say do. We went to the zoo a couple weeks ago and the monkeys just are just like swinging. They're, they're just always like, having a ball, you know? Yeah, I want to swing all day. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, you know, next to flying, just being able to like climb on anything and swing around. Sounds like yeah. a good time. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening today, guys. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining us today on the Sweet Tea and Jesus podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast so you can continue along on this journey with us. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple so others can find our podcast and be encouraged by these gospel conversations too. Follow us on Instagram for upcoming content, news about our podcast, and more. Thank you so much for listening, and we are looking forward to you joining us on our next episode. See y'all next time.